welcome to Hope City Church, Melbourne, Australia. Stay tuned for another inspiring message. You know, we live in an exciting time on the earth today, don't we? When you see everything that's going on around us, it's pretty amazing uh, what God is doing and the enemy is not happy and it's pretty amazing just seeing the battle that's going on. And, um, you know, God saw this moment in time when you would be on the earth today because you were born for such a time as this. He put you on the earth in this time for a purpose and for a reason. So that's exciting to know that. Jeremiah says, For I know the plans I have for you, plans to put you on the earth here today during this time, declares the Lord's plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And I love it that the Holy Spirit was there when God was planning our life, that he heard and listened intently to everything that God was saying about us. And then God put the Holy Spirit in us and gave him uh, charge over us to bring all these things to fruition within, inside of us. It's a Holy Spirit that tells us the plans that God has. It's a Holy Spirit speaking to us and leading and guiding us, guiding us into all truth. So he oversees the plan that God has for us. Ephesians says, before we were even born, he gave us our destiny that we would fulfill the plan of God who always accomplishes every purpose and plan in his heart. So we have the plan of God that he has for us. But every day we get to choose whether we're going to walk out that plan or not in, in our day-to-day life. I mean, overall, God will work everything for good and, he'll, and he'll fulfill, once He started working us, he'll complete us complete it in us but we still have to choose every day to walk in that plan and sometimes we can uh, take detours or get distracted and we're not following the will of God Romans 8 6 says for the mindset on the flesh is death but the mindset on the spirit is life and peace so we can choose to live according to God's will every day or we can choose to live according to our flesh or our unrenewed mind. Because our flesh still walks after fleshly desires, doesn't it? And we have to get our flesh in line with our spirit, with what our spirit knows. So our soul and body has to come behind our spirit, line up behind our spirit. And that's a battle every day. But we get to choose life or death every day, don't we? And, how, and when we choose life, we're responding out of that relationship that we have with God. And when we choose death, we're responding out of our own desires or the voice of the enemy speaking to us. So to walk in the fullness of all that God has for us is a choice. Paul says in Ephesians, he prays that we may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. But our enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. There's a battle going on. He's always looking for ways that he can put us off course. The Bible tells us that when, you, when we were born again, we came alive to the things of the Spirit. We came alive with the life of God and we were set free from the powers of darkness and set free from sin. Jesus died on the cross for our sin. Our sins are forgiven. In God, we are the righteousness of Christ. We have the righteousness of Christ in us. Our spirit is a brand new work. It says in Corinthians, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. So our spirit is brand new. We're a new creation. But our soul and our body are still in transformation. We're still processing, becoming that new creation that we are in our spirit. 
And that's, that's the process of transformation, training our soul and body to line up with what our spirit knows, training our soul and body to do the will of God. Because God wants us to become more and more like Jesus. That's his plan. He wants the Holy Spirit in us to show us how to become more and more like Jesus. It says in Corinthians, but we with all unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image of Christ. That's the plan, that we're transformed into the same image from Christ, from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So when we were born again, we were sealed by the Holy Spirit. So we have the Holy Spirit in us. But then there's the baptism of the Spirit, isn't it? There's the infilling of the Spirit. There's the empowering of the Spirit. Jesus told his disciples to tarry in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit would come and clothe them in power. So... That's an amazing thing that we can have be empowered by the Holy Spirit in our life. And we need that. We need the empowering of the Holy Spirit to do the battle. We need the empowering. The battle's already won. We've got the victory in Jesus, but the Holy Spirit shows us how the battle is won. He shows us how to renew our mind. He shows us how to transform ourselves. He shows us. Corinthians says, For we did not receive the spirit of this world system, but the spirit of God, so that we might come to understand. We need the Holy Spirit for understanding and experience all that grace has lavished upon us. This is from the Passion Translation. See, some of us are living on an... If we live on an entirely human level, we reject the revelations of the spirit of God and they make no sense to us. So we need the spirit for revelation. So the Holy Spirit empowers us to understand the mind of Christ and to put his plans and purposes to work on this earth. And a sign of that is speaking in tongues, which is a powerful gift that we have. And if you were like me, I grew up in a church that um, at first didn't recognize the gifts at all and then said that the gifts, that the speaking in tongues was from the devil. So there was a stronghold in my mind for a very long time about speaking in tongues. And when I was filled with the Spirit and spoke in tongues, I didn't really honor the gift that I had. But now I understand that when you speak in tongues, the Holy Spirit or God is praying through the Holy Spirit for you. God is praying for you. He understands your deepest needs. He understands what's going on in your life. Why would you not pray in the Spirit? If God is praying for you in the Spirit, He's building your Spirit, why would you not? And I'm telling myself every day now, speak in the Spirit, pray in the Spirit, because it's foreign to us. Sometimes we feel, oh, it sounds a bit dumb, or that sounds a bit silly. Even speaking in tongues in church has become quite, oh, I'll just do it myself because it's my personal edification and and I won't be very loud. But... It's to upbuild ourselves. And we're also praying for other people around us when we pray in the Spirit as well. So it's such an important gift to have. And it's for everybody. It's for everybody. Not just a particular few. It's for everybody. So as we yield freely and fully to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit, we abandon the cravings of the self-life. As we yield... So that says to me that we can resist the flow of the Spirit in our lives by not yielding to it. See, a Spirit-empowered life is a surrendered life, a life obedient to God and His Word. So if we're not yielding to the Spirit, then there's some resistance. Now, I'm going to just use an example here. So I'm going to ask John to come up to be the Holy Spirit. A A couple of weeks ago, John was Father God. Now, today he's the Holy Spirit. He must be feeling pretty good about himself. Next time is he's going to be Jesus. So, so I want you to understand here 
and I want you to put your arms right out. So that's the flow of the Spirit, and the open flow of the Spirit in our lives. Like we sang in worship, it's an un unending flow. It will never dry up. Once we have the Spirit in us, the flow of the Spirit, it will never dry up. God has, has it in there for us, for, for upbuilding us and, and empowering us. But there are things that we can do that resist the Spirit. So I'm just going to ask this group of five people just to come and stand here because they're going to represent the things that we do that resist the Spirit. So if Jordan comes over here, Jordan's going to... You keep, keep your hands up, Dale. So Jordan represents fear, fear in our life. Uh, Beck, she's going to uh, represent um, uh, anxiety and not feeling um, very powerful in God and, 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 and anxious. Let's have Shay. Now, these, they're just representing, of course, this is not who they are. Shay is representing a pride in our life, that there's things that we don't want to give up, things that, you know what I'm saying. Um, Maddie. Maddie's representing um, some sin that we're stuck in, that we know that we shouldn't do, but, we're, but our body keeps wanting us to do it. Like we could just say it's like um, doing drugs and we know we shouldn't be doing drugs, but our body keeps telling us, no, I need that, I need that. So representing sin. And uh, Adam, can Bob down here, Adam? Can you Bob right down there? Okay, put your head down. Like, yeah, yeah. So Adam's representing fear of man. Okay, so these are all the blocks that are resisting the flow. So now as the Holy Spirit is facing me, or I've got the Holy Spirit in me, and the flow from the Spirit is coming, but can you see it's blocked? Yes. It's not coming, flowing easily. There's, it's, it's being blocked by all these different issues in my life that I may or may not be recognising. So what we need to do through the power of the Spirit in us, knowing that we have the Spirit in us, we have to recognise what our sin is and get rid of it. So we get rid of pride. We get rid of sin, which is, I know, which is pride, but all the different sorts of sin. We get rid of anxiety. We get rid of fear. See how the flow has opened right up. Thank you, guys. Just stay there, Adam. See how the flow has opened, <laughs> has opened right up. And it's wonderful. We've got a wonderful flow of the Spirit. But there's still a sin that's hiding there that we don't see that we don't recognise. So we don't have the full flow of the Spirit. And it's, an, it's a, a hidden sin. And that requires work to, to discover what that is. The Holy Spirit can put a spotlight on it. But we have to recognise that, is there hidden sins, Holy Spirit? What do I, can you show me what they are? So, and then when we discover what it is, we're able to root that one out and get rid of that one as well. And we have the flow of the Spirit. Now, because... We're on a journey in our life. There's always going to be some things. Thank you, John. You are a wonderful Holy Spirit. <laughs> Just don't be one at home, please. Okay. <laughs> so, you see, because sin, that sin doesn't change how God relates to us. He still loves us. The flow is still there. It's an unending flow. But it changes how we relate to God. When there, when there is that sin in our life. So, of course, the more that we feed our egos, our, the desires of our flesh, the more we submit to the worldly system of thinking, the more we listen to the lies of the enemy, the more we block or resist the flow of the Spirit. And I'm making a point here because I want to talk about those hidden sins that we don't always see. 
You see, for a long time, I lived with a low self-esteem, lack of self-worth, doubt, fear, rejection, bitterness, offence, frustration. Thing was, I'd given my life to Jesus. I was born again. But I had a faulty belief system about who I was. And that was working against me. So about over 20 years ago, I came into the things of the Holy Spirit and was spirit-filled, like I said earlier, and spoke in tongues. But I still had a faulty belief system. So I was resisting, again, the, the flow of the Spirit in my life. Graham Cook says, Any negative thought that we have about God, ourselves, or about anybody else, immediately puts us into a hostile place in terms of our relationship with God and works against his plans and purposes for us. So my negative false beliefs were working against God's plans and purposes for me. Like I would have pity parties at home and, um, and you, you wouldn't have been invited because I would have thought you wouldn't want to come anyway, so why would I invite you? So I would just be having my own pity parties at home just going round and round, God, why is this happening to me? Why can't I, I grow more in you? Why am I feeling this rejection? Why am I feeling this bitterness? What is it? What is it? And, um, but the thing was, I wasn't actually asking Holy Spirit deeply to show me because I was sort of enjoying, if you can put it that way, enjoying feeling that way. My, my, my thinking was used to feeling that way. My body was used to feeling that way. I was used to feeling that way. So I'd asked for change, but I wasn't really serious about change, to be honest. So I was negating the power of the Holy Spirit in me, and I was giving, believe it or not, as I was walking around, thinking this person did that to me. I was betrayed by that person. My dad never really loved me enough, so I don't understand how the father loves me. Uh, my mother didn't really encourage me. I always had to do everything myself. See, wh while I think those things, I'm negating the power of the Spirit in me. And what I'm doing is I'm giving my power to those people who I'm blaming. They're taking my power without them even realising it. You see, when your story began, like mine, it didn't start with you not being enough. But as we've moved life forward in life and things happen to us and people speak things over us and people do things, their actions and their words hurt us, their, their decisions hurt us, the choices other people make hurt us, we begin to create a faulty belief system about ourself. Now, I'm sure that you can all relate to this in some way. Like, for example... Um, my father, and I've spoken about this before, and I love my dad, and I know that he came from a very difficult upbringing himself and background. So, but he, he found it very hard to show love and, and emotion and affection. So I never had a father whose eyes would light up when I walked in the room, who would tell me that I look pretty or who would tell me that I've got a great future ahead of me. He was very um, emotionally absent. And, um, yeah, every, his, his life... His life was very small, to be honest, and his routine was the same every day. And he um, lived a very powerless life because of his own shame. And that's one of the main reasons why we give our, way, our power away to other people is because of shame. You see, you look at your story and what's happened to you, whether it was your father or your parents or teachers or, or friends or whatever it was, you look at your story and then you say to yourself, because they've treated me in that way, 
I'm defective, I'm unworthy, I'm unlovable, um, I'm ugly, I don't belong, I'm not accepted. There's something wrong with me and that shame. It's a re an emotional reaction about ourself. I'm a mistake. And it permeates our hearts to such a deep level that it becomes a filter through which we look at everything. So I knew that God loved me at an intellectual level. I knew what the Bible said, that his love was unfailing, that his promises were enduring, that I was the apple of his eye. I, I heard all that up here, but it never made it into my heart. And so instead of getting uh, my value and worth and identity from God, which is where we should be getting it from, I got it from other people. I got it by how I looked, by how other people thought of me, uh, by what I had, by who accepted me, who approved of me, who liked me, how many likes I got on Facebook. And I'm not saying Facebook is bad, but those sort of things can feed into us, can't they? And we give our power away to other people. So we, 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 put, we give more credence to what they think about us than what God does. So for a long time, I was living as a victim, going around and around my issues but never moving forward. Now, this is where our hidden sins are because sometimes we act like victims but we don't really know that we're doing that. And this is where I really want to get my point home. See, when we're victims, we feel like our lives have been orchestrated by other people, affected by other people's decisions. So we blame other people for the things that have happened to us. We blame other people for the way we feel. And, and we don't want to recognise that in any way we may have contributed to those ongoing issues in our life by the choices we've made. So, and a lot of this stems from shame. We don't want to deal with issues because it uncovers our own shame. So we hide it and we blame other people because that's an easy option, just to blame someone else for the way I'm feeling. That person um, sacked me or fired me five years ago and I still, I'm still not over it. It's their fault that I haven't been able to move forward. It's their fault that things are going wrong in my life. Um, my dad didn't love me, so it's his fault that I'm struggling in my relationship with God because it's easy to blame other people, even when they've passed away and died, isn't it? So we need to take responsibility for ourselves and look at what holding patterns that we're living in. Some of us live in holding patterns, waiting for externals to change, waiting for people to change, waiting for ex um, circumstances to change. But we need to be looking internally at what's going on. David said in um, Psalms, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. See, even if we're in a difficult situation because of someone else, we are still 100% responsible to deal with our problem, our response, our reaction in a way that's Holy Spirit-breathed and life-giving so that we can move forward. We are responsible for the choices that we make. And those who you continue to blame and don't choose to forgive or those you have an offence with, they will always have power over you. If they can press your buttons, you've given them control. But as we forgive, we become the empowered ones and we negate their power. So while I don't want this to be a... Because you all look a bit like... Mm. Um, this is an uplifting message because there's an answer. There's an answer. But I want you to recognise 
the hiddenness of some of the things that we do that we, that we don't see. You see, no one, and you know this, but we don't always live, live it out, no one can make you happy or angry or sad or jealous. No one can hold you back from your destiny. You do it yourself. If, if your family, someone in your family is not happy and it annoys you, you go, mm, it steals your joy and your happiness. You don't have to let it do that. It's their choice and you've got a choice to stay happy. And we can put that to every emotion that we feel. Because we have control over the, our emotional state and the decisions we make. We, but we totally disempower ourselves when we give that control to someone else who's not the Holy Spirit. So if you're blaming someone now for the way you're feeling or for the way your life is playing out, if you're blaming the pain caused by other people for maybe the addictions that you have that bring comfort to your pain, then you're negating the power of the Holy Spirit in you and your, and your own responsibility to make life-giving decisions for yourself, to choose life, not death. Now, it sounds simple, doesn't it? I know it's a battle. I know it's not easy, but it's a battle that we have to engage in so that we have abundant life here on earth. And I've, the, the things that I'm going to talk about now, just a few things go down the list, is everything that I have done. So I'm preaching to myself here. See, we disempower ourselves by living our lives with other people's opinions, thinking what they're thinking of us. We disempower ourselves. We disempower ourselves by living our lives out of obligation and expectation of what we think others want for our lives. I've done that. I like Dr. Phil when, uh, when he always says, how's that working for you? <laughs> so I can say to myself, how did that work for me? Not good. Some of us come under the control and manipulation of controlling people who dominate and, and intimidate because of their own insecurities and fears and shame. Even people f who, who manipulate us by flattering us so that we'll do what they want us to do. And, and sometimes we train people to treat us that way. Oh, if I'm really nice to her, I know I can get her to do that. We've trained them because they know that we'll follow suit. And they know they'll get the results that they want. So I say to myself, how did that work for you? Not good. Some of us are people pleasers and, and we fear that if we stand our ground and take some of our power back, we might hurt or offend other people. They may not like us, so we disempower ourselves. Because the perception is that it's better to feel comfortable than it is to do what the other person wants and keep the peace. How's that working for you? Some of us are emotionally dependent on other people or codependent, thinking that we need that one person to nurture and guide us and give us personal security. I did that. I had a person on a pedestal and I would think about decisions, and it wasn't John, I would think about um, decisions that I had to make and I would think, now what would that person do? I, had them, I was giving them power for the decisions that I was making. And it's a feeling that, that we have that we, that we need that other, other person for security, for, for our own self-esteem. And so we attach ourselves to that person to get a sense of identity. And there's a line that I read which I thought was so funny. It says, I was so enmeshed in the other person's life that when I had a near-death experience, their life flashed before me. <laughs> and I thought... I don't know if you've done anything like that, like really, you know, felt like you needed that person's approval to feel good about yourself. 
But that's emotional dependence and, and it's so disempowering because we disempower ourselves when we do that. And that didn't work well for me at all. So through all of that, don't you want to become empowered? Don't you want to get all that off you? The reliance that you have on other people, the, the, the concerns you have, or what are they going to think of me, or what are they going to... Oh, it's a, it's a terrible way to live. It's a powerless way to live. And I may not be where I'm supposed to be yet, but I'm certainly on the way. I've certainly made great progress in this, and I'm becoming much more confident in who I am in God and in who I am in a, in a, as a person. But what does an empowered person look like? Because this is what we want to be in our church. We want to be empowered people because we want to see God's kingdom come here to earth. So much stuff is going on in the earth today. We want to be vessels that God can use because we've built character into ourselves. We can sustain the things that God is, is showing us. Because sometimes God doesn't show us things because we're not building our character and he can't trust us with what he's showing us. So we need to build our character so we can sustain the stuff that he's showing us, that he can reveal more to us, that we be can become mighty warriors in his army today, to become empowered by the Holy Spirit, to have the full flow of the Spirit over our lives. Like that song was saying, stirring up deep, deep wells because we've, we haven't got all this other stuff going on in our life that's holding us back, that's resisting the flow of the Spirit. So we want to become free and empowered to know the truth and the truth will set us free. That's who we, we want to become. So if you're relating to anything that I'm saying at the moment about um, allowing other people to uh, give you your identity and, and to be controlled by other people's thoughts, then go home today and talk to the Holy Spirit about it and talk to other people about it and, um, and, and, and get answers and get freedom. But we'll talk about, I'm nearly through, but we'll talk about that in a minute as well. But I just want to tell you what an empowered person looks like. Now, I've modified it and, and I read this on Danny Silk's website. It came up on Friday night and I was so wrapped because I thought, yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. And this is what we want to be. <clears throat> so an empowered person, firstly, is yielding to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit. Every day we're yielding to the Spirit. We're not controlled by circumstances or our environment and we refuse to play the victim by shifting responsibility of our choices onto other people. Empowered people don't create unhealthy emotional ties and attachments with other people. They hear a victim story because they've been victims themselves, so they know how to get out of that now. So they hear someone else giving a sob story or, or a sad story, and I'm not saying that's wrong. We need to you know, have empathy with people, but rather than partner with people's hopelessness, we give them guidance into how to empower ourselves. So we ask questions like, what are you going to do about that? What are you going to do about that? What have you tried? What else could you try? So keep putting the responsibility back into people's own lives. It's our responsibility and it's our choice. Sure, we need people walking alongside us to help us. And that goes without saying we cannot do it on our own. We need encouragement, but we also need to take responsibility. If we want to be empowered people, mighty soldiers in the army of God, strong people, who people, we shift atmospheres wherever we go. We don't buy into the atmosphere that's there. We don't buy into fear. We don't buy into hopelessness. But we bring the atmosphere of God with us wherever we go. That's the sort of people we want to be and need to be and that the Holy Spirit is empowering us to be if we allow him to flow through our lives. 
Empowered people have a vision for their life. They know God's vision for their life. They've seen it. They've felt it. Um, they don't go, oh, that can't, oh, no, oh, you know, no, God doesn't want me to do that. That just sounds too, you know, too difficult. No, they go, okay, God, stretch me. If this is what you have for me, stretch me. They put the vision out in front of them. And they use the events of every day, whether negative or positive, to direct themselves towards that vision. Even if, even if it's a negative experience, they'll turn it around and say, God, what are you showing me in this? What can I learn from this? How can this help me in moving forward in you? This is really important. Empowered people choose to love and their love is not dependent on being loved in return. It is dependent on their ability to say yes and carry out that decision, decision of loving. And this protects their love from being managed by other people. Yeah. No one can take away my love. The, see, how you love me isn't going to change the way I love you. See, if you... Your um, mood today isn't going to take away my joy. I'm still going to walk in who God is for me every day. And they don't try to get people to respect them. They don't try to get people to respect them. They create a respectful environment by showing respect. They deliberately set the standard for how they expect to be treated by the way they treat others. I love this. As they consistently act in responsible, respectful and loving ways, it becomes clear that the only people who can get close to them are those who know how to show respect, be responsible and love well. So we draw other people into our environments and, they, and, and we show other people how to live in a godly way. So how did I get out of this, this, all these disempowering states that I found myself in? Because firstly, it was a catalyst. Is One day, or probably about 10 years ago, when I was walking around my study one day, around the mountain like the Israelites did, sort of feeling like nothing was changing. And this, Anyway, you can imagine. It, wasn't, it didn't look good. The Holy Spirit said to me, you are disempowering yourself. And I didn't really understand what that was, but I went and I looked it up and I did a study on it. And I discovered, I started reading about myself. And, and the way that I gave my power away to other people. So firstly, I had to submit to God, surrender to God, yield to the Holy Spirit, and I had to work out what core lies I was believing about my identity. You know, everything in you does not really want to do that because you don't really want to lift up all those lids of shame and have a look what's going on. It's easier just to go out for coffee with someone. You, you, really, you really don't want to do it. But that's what we need to do. We need to discover what lies we're believing about our identity. Where is the shame coming from? And it involves learning and, and unlearning and, and believing the truth and being obedient to God's word. That's, that's a big one. We think, oh, yeah, obedience to God's word, oh, that's really important. But do we actually do it? Are we really obedient to God's word and what he says? When he says, you're the apple of my eye, do we act like we are the apple of his eye? Are we joy, joyful and confident? Or we go read that, oh, that's a nice thought, and then go away and keep listening to what other people have told us, our failures and our mistakes and da-da-da-da. It's a journey. It's, it's a battle that we, we, we're going through. So over time, I also got the revelation that God, <laughs> took a while, that God is not related to me based on my performance in my past but he, or, or my performance in my present or my performance in my future. He's not related to me on that basis. He's related to me based on the righteousness of my spirit and his unfailing love for me. That's how he's relating to me. 
When people sin and you know they're in sin, you don't have to tell them what their sin is. They already know it and they already know they're doing the wrong thing. But when, what you need to do is tell them about how much God loves them. Show them his grace for them. Show them his forgiveness for them. I discovered the revelation of that verse, for by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, lest any man should boast. So we disempower ourselves when we don't understand grace and think that we have to do more to get God to love us. But we are empowered when we understand grace that he's looking at us through the... Uh, through Jesus because we are the righteousness of, of Christ and that we are his chosen treasures. We are a royal priesthood. We're forgiven. He's not angry with us. In fact, he delights in us. We're the apple of his eye. We're blessed with every spiritual blessing. He lavishes his love on us. We're included in the family of God when we became adopted as his sons and daughters. We're included in the family. We all have equal value with God. He has no favourites. He loves us all the same. He loves us equally. We need to learn how to love ourselves. If we don't see the way that God sees us, then we'll never really love ourselves. And if we don't love ourselves, we can't love other people. David says, I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And marvellous are thy works and my soul knows that very well. Now, he's not boasting about how handsome he is or about how good-looking he is. He's just saying, God, you made me in such an incredible way and I'm such a treasure to you and I'm thankful for the beautiful creation that you did make. Because, you know, through all of this, and you know this, that the most beautiful people in the world are those who are full of confidence in who they are in God and they know their value. Aren't they attractive, people like that? That they just walk, they just exude the love of God and, and the understanding of the grace of God. And it's not a boastful thing. It's not an aren't I wonderful. It's a I'm God's treasure. So we need to also forgive ourselves, don't we? Because there's stuff that we've done in our life that we think like, oh, I can't believe I did that. And, and if we don't forgive ourselves, we're never going to understand how much God loves us. We have to forgive ourselves. We need to recognize that we're saints and not sinners. And this was a big one for me. And I love this. The Bible says that we are saints by nature, not sinners. We're saints. If you walk around thinking, I'm such a sinner, and I'm a sinner, I'm, I'm a sinner, then you will walk around powerless. You won't, be, you won't walk around with empowerment from the Spirit because you'll be worried so much about the wrong stuff you're doing. And the Bible says we are saints. We are a new creation in Him. See, the main reason that we keep sinning is because we believe it's in our nature to sin. But we have a new nature. I told you that earlier, that we're a new creation. It, we're 100% righteous in God's eyes. But it's our old sin nature, the habits of our old sin nature, that keep wanting to sin. And that's what we have to bring into kingdom alignment. That's what we have to transform in our thinking. You see, now, whenever I might feel, say, envy about someone, someone says something that they've done or that they've received or got, my uh, natural um, default emotional position would to feel like, I don't have you know, and feel, feel jealous. If I feel that now, I say, why am I feeling envious? That's not who I am. I am not an envious person. I am not a jealous person. And so I put it behind me and keep walking, keep moving forward. That's what we have to do. We have to tell ourselves, that's not who I am. Okay, that, that's my emotional default position. You can put this about anything that you do that's a sin or that's negative. You have to say to yourself, that's my default position, how I used to react. But now, 
I am a new creation. Now, that's not the person I am. We've got to count ourselves dead to sin but alive to God. And the whole renewing of the mind is what I was, I was speaking to you about before. It's so important. The Bible says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know, it's a simple thing as you might be, and I've had this experience uh, where someone's walked past me in a corridor uh, at a previous place I was and totally ignored me and didn't say hello. Well, of course, I'm going, <laughs> just ignore me. Well, what, am I invisible or something? I'm like, Ugh. You know, and I get really... Angry and annoyed at that person. And in, in fact, I, like it's a bit of a stickler when I see them again. I think like, hmm. But now, <laughs> sorry, I'm being honest. But now, if someone does that to me, I think to myself, what's going on in their life that they didn't see me? What's going on in their life that caused them to be distracted so, so that, that, you know, they, they didn't do that on purpose. And even if they did, if I have the right attitude, it's not going to affect me anyway. So, see, neuroscience is always catching up with the Bible, isn't it? And we, we hear that through the teachings of doc, uh, Dr. Caroline Leaf, etc. Neuroscience tells us that if you keep thinking the same thought, performing the same actions, and live by the same experience that produces the same emotions, then over time, the nerve cells in your brain begin to fire in the same sequence, the same pattern, the same combinations, and it becomes a mindset something that you do without thinking and I tell you what I was thinking about this the other day it's funny but if you think about the way that you dry yourself in the shower you do it exactly the same way every single morning you, you test yourself you do you do it exactly the same way it's a mindset now it's not that's not something that you really need to change but you know it's working for you it's fine it's you know <laughs> But, but if a mindset is not working for you, if it's causing you to be negative, jealous, envious, whatever, you've got to change that mindset. You've got, to ch you've got to take that thought captive. Anything that exalts itself above the knowledge of God, you've got to take that thought captive. John's trying to change the way that I back my car down my mum's drive. It's very steep. It's got bricks, rock wall on each side, and now I've got a um, reverse reversing screen in my car and he says you've got to learn how to do it and so I'm trying I can't do it I always just hold the steering wheel and look behind me that's how I get down I'm not going to change that it's too hard and it's not important to my salvation <laughs> he, he, he's fabulous at doing it John's fabulous like he can back a trailer up a steep driveway that's got rocks on either side he's amazing <laughs> When you want to change your mindset, there's going to be a battle. A war with your emotions and your thoughts. As soon as you want to start thinking differently, your body, your own mindsets, they'll still want to engage in that same habit. And so your body, like I, sometimes when I get up in the morning, I really should just jump in the shower and then feel fresh. But my body, I go make a cup of tea and I think I should go and have a shower. But my body just wants to go, oh no, I'll just sit down for a little bit. And I do that and then you, you waste time. I'm, I mean, you know, I, I might be reading the, the word or, or, or being encouraged by some clip that I'm watching or whatever. But I'm not getting on with that. But my body is controlling me. And that's, it's a battle if we want to change it. Same if we want to, like, lose weight. or You know what we're talking about. We want to give up a bad habit. It's a battle because our body and mind want to engage in that. It's like putting on old comfortable shoes, isn't it? You know it's not going to be good for you, really. You know they're not going to be great for your feet, but you, you just love them, so you just keep wearing them. So that's where we have to decide, no, I'm going to change. 
And from my experience over the last how many years, when our thinking aligns with God's truth, when, when I align my thinking with God's truth, when I begin to take thoughts captive, which I've been doing, especially over my identity, we begin to see more of the Holy Spirit flow in our souls. The Holy Spirit washes over our souls and our bodies and our emotions get healed. Our bodies get healed. We see the anointing of God pour into our lives and a greater flow of the Spirit. You know, there's so much um, more we could say around this topic, but I just really want to encourage you that we have the empowering of the Spirit in us and we have the guidance of the Spirit to help us in all that we do in, and in renewing our minds. We have people around us to help us. We have people who will pray with us and work through things with us. So don't be a loner and do it on your own. You can't do it on your own. You need the encouragement of those around us, around you. God wants us free. He wants us to walk in the fullness of everything that he has for us. When Paul prayed that prayer, can I just say that he prayed that Christ may, may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height of God's love for you, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. And that's our plan, to walk. That's his destiny for us, to, to walk in his fullness. And we can only find that when our hearts are connected to God's Father heart. When we love him and adore him, when we worship and exalt him in our lives and, and when we know that we are, are being loved in return. You know what that's called? When we love and exalt God and, we, and God loves us in return, that's called worshipping in spirit and in truth. That's called living a life of worship to God where we're constantly feeling his love and, allow, and loving him back. And worship is such an important part of changing who we are and you would have discovered that this morning. We had such wonderful... Uh, we're led in such beautiful worship and it's in those times where we surrender to God in worship that he can show us things, that he can change things in, in us. Worship is such an important part of our daily walk with God and, and we need to do that. I encourage you, worship, pray in tongues and, and um, ask Holy Spirit to show you where the areas in your life that are, that are blocking his flow. Be encouraged, church. God has... Um, a wonderful plan for you, for this, for this church. Great things are going to happen. And we want to position ourselves, posture ourselves in such a way that God can use us mightily, don't we? So be empowered and be strengthened in your inner man by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.